Today, we are diving in to the strong woman syndrome and sharing some alternatives instead. Welcome to the Fierce Authenticity Podcast. I'm your hostess, Sharani M. Batak, and I teach you how to have amazing relationships by doing one simple thing. Dismantling supremacy culture's internalized oppression and conditioning. Be sure that you've hit subscribe to the podcast and come on over and join me in my private newsletter community where I have a collection of specially curated tools to get you started. Simply visit www.sharanimbatuk.com slash connect to get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to our next guest, who is actually going to be our last guest of the season before we break for the summer. And this conversation, friend, I have to tell you how amazing this conversation was. You are going to love it. Takara and I spoke about everything from carrying deadly emotions to how kidneys are our fight or flight and why we can't lose weight and how, you know, high blood pressure happens and the superwoman. I mean, we had an amazing conversation. And she left us with some really powerful and potent questions. And she asked us towards the end, like, if you were to die today or tomorrow, would you be satisfied with the life that you lived? This is what we are going to be diving into today. So let me introduce you to Takara. Takara Renee is a speaker, strategist, soon-to-be author, and coach who has made it her goal to help the high-achieving, strong woman live her most authentic life outside of the workspace. She believes that for far too long, women have been told that following the formula of going to school, making good grades, getting a job equals a successful life. Unfortunately, this formula has left many women unfulfilled and lacking critical knowledge. Takara bridges this gap by discussing all of the things that she wishes she had known surrounding self, relationships, money, and careers on her weekly podcast, A Letter to My Sister. Takara pulls from her unique life experiences of being a military child turned military member and nurse to take clients through her dream and core frameworks, both of which we will be diving into today, to assist the strong woman in creating the life that she desires. My friend, enjoy this episode, this conversation, and I might suggest you might want to take some notes for this because she dropped some really good wisdom on us. So, I know that you are just going to enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Takara, thank you so much for joining us on the Fierce Authenticity Podcast. I am so excited for you to share with our listeners 
all of the wisdom you have about the high achieving strong woman because you know we have talked about the fact that my listeners are that woman I serve that woman and I know you serve them and you have this beautiful framework that you serve them with and so let's just first start off by giving us a little bit of introduction about you so introduce yourself to our listeners well, hey, y'all. I am so excited to be here. Thank you, Sharani, for having me on. Y'all are going to have to listen to her episode from my podcast as well because it was fantastic. But I am Takara Renee, and I help the high-achieving woman live her most authentic life outside of the workplace. For far too long, we've been told that we need to go to school, get the good grades, and do all of that stuff only to do that and still be unfulfilled and wonder what next or say there's got to be more to life than this right here because this ain't it. (laughs) And that's why I just resonate so much with what we speak about because I'm in that category. Grow up, get your education, stand on your own two feet, be independent, and then everything becomes about work and achievements and academics and just doing the thing. And Quite honestly, there's still days where I struggle to have fun outside of work. I have to really think, what do I enjoy? I kind of enjoy cooking. I don't enjoy the dishes that come afterwards. So today, as I was cooking up some bomb-ass dinner, I was like, oh, you know what? I need to separate cooking and dishes so that I can really focus on what I enjoy, which is the cooking. So let's talk more about that, Takara, from what you've seen, the strong woman who's high achieving, who gets all the good grades, who does the thing, who's got all the achievements. Just say more. Tell us more. All right. So I did not mention that I'm a nurse. So this is kind of where all of this started, because what I noticed, and I worked on a cardiac floor. So what I noticed was most of my male patients, when they came up, it was because of legit reasons. They're diet was trash. Okay. (laughs) They were due for an open heart surgery kind of thing. But when a woman was on the floor, it wasn't her diet. It was the fact that she was stressed and stressed about family things, stressed about life things, stressed so much to the point where she couldn't even stop answering the phone. Her phone was still ringing. She's in the hospital. I'm trying to give her a medication. I'm like, ma'am, if you don't put this phone down, We are about to have more problems than what you have already come in here for. And so as nurses, we're all about holistic health. So I don't care about giving you medication. I'm trying to figure out what's going on with you. So then when I speak to them, they're like, oh, my son, my husband, my kids, my job, my this, my that. And we, as strong women, we spread ourselves so thin that we don't even realize what's going on until we're sat down, i.e. in the hospital (laughs) or something like that. And then we finally realize, oh my gosh, I should take better care of myself or how many of us, myself and my family included, how many of us have buried a grandmother, big mama, whoever, the matriarch of the family. And she died before her time. She died in her 50s or 60s when she still had plenty of life to live. But because she had spread herself out so thin, she wasn't even taking care of herself because she was too busy taking care of everyone else. So that is where all of this started for me. Yeah. And I can just see you in the hospital room. Like, I just love that, ma'am, if you don't put that phone down. (laughs) 
Because isn't that the life for us? I recently was sharing about my group coaching program, The Sanctuary, and one of the things I was like, stop writing that last email. Just stop. Like, don't send out one last email because that's just what we do, right? We're going to send out that one last email. We're going to do just that one last thing. It drives my husband crazy because I'm like, okay, baby, I'll be right out. I'll be right out. Or I'll be like, yes, dinner's at this time. But even I fall into that trap, right? And let's back up a step though, because you brought up that you're a nurse and you noticed all of these stress-related conditions for women. And I haven't talked about this on the podcast yet because I haven't had a medical professional on the podcast yet, But thyroid issues and fibromyalgia and chronic pain, I mean, these are all issues that affect predominantly women. Mm -hmm. And they're all stress-related. Yes, it is. It is. And there's also, I talk about this on probably every podcast that I'm on, but there's this, this fantastic book called Deadly Emotions. And they talk about the effect that all of these negative, well, actually any emotion has on your body depends on which way it is though. So if it's negative, it's going to have a negative effect. So one of the examples that I love that he brought on was a woman, basically her husband ran off with a younger woman. Oh, she was mad about it. And every time she went to the doctor's office and they asked how she was doing, she basically rehashed that whole thing. And she went from a healthy woman to every year she came back and was like, oh, I'm so mad. Oh, he could just... And the more she talked about it, she literally started to crunch herself up. Like she started to get the hunchback. She started to get the arthritis and she died in pain and miserable and all because she had this anger sitting inside her. And so even as a nurse for stress, stress affects the kidneys. Kidneys is fight or flight. So if you wonder why you can't lose weight, you're probably stressed because you've got the cortisol. That's the fat around your organs. You get too much of that. Now you have even more problems because now you have high blood pressure. And then because you have high blood pressure, now you're in my ward, (laughs) my unit about to stroke out (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you are stressed. And then if it goes far along, like this affects every organ in the body, your blood pressure can get so high to the fact that your entire body shuts down. And it's like people don't, understand that. That's why you have to keep your blood pressure at a certain level so your body can function the way that it's supposed to. Yes, what a powerful story. I just want to pause into that story. And you know what? You should get commissions for talking about that book if you talk about it on every podcast. And we will link all the links here. So Deadly Emotions, that's the book. And she went from being a healthy woman to someone who died in pain, hunched over, crumpled up with arthritis, you know, with all these things, because she continued to hold on to the story and that anger. And this, as I was listening to, I was like, oh my goodness, this just takes me straight down the supremacy culture path, because as women, we're not allowed to express our feelings and emotions. We just have to be happy and pleasing and joyful and do whatever anyone wants and do it with a smile on our face, right? Like that's just what stereotypically we're taught. So an anger especially is not allowed for women and it stays inside. So it just takes me to how these systems of oppression have just created 
this pattern that continues to get passed down and passed down and passed down and then lives in our bodies in this way. And I don't know if I've spoken about this on another podcast, but the ACEs study, the Adverse Childhood Experiences study, where people with, and it's so funny, you're talking about the high blood pressure. I'm like, girl, don't forget the diabetes and the high cholesterol too, because that's the trifecta that like every at least Indo-Fijian person, but a lot of Indian people I know have. And I've done a lot of work in Spanish-speaking communities, and I know that most Latin American, South Americans, they also have this fantastic trifecta, right? And it's not necessarily related to diet. It is so related to all of the systemic pressures that have been with us and continue to be with us for millennia. Well, centuries, because when we think about Euro colonization, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely interesting when you say that, because, of course, I've been getting deeper and deeper into strong the strong woman, where we got the ideas from, how this came up. And there's actually so much research on this. We call it strong woman, but they started they started off calling it the superwoman syndrome. Mm. The woman that feels like she has to have it all together, have everything done and feels like a complete failure. If she didn't come out looking like a supermodel after she's cooked dinner, worked, cleaned up the house, vacuumed, did all of these things. And we're like, ma'am, have a seat. But the <laughs> study started in 1984 was the earliest one that I saw. And I was like, 1984, that's a long time. So then, of course, I said, okay, what happened in the 80s? What are we doing? What what mm-hmm. happened? What movement? What was it? And so guess what happened in the 80s? <laughs> Blockbuster explosion. So now we're going to the movies. We're watching TV. We're doing all of these extra things. So where are we getting our ideas from? This entertainment, we're getting it from the movies. Mm. So now that we're watching these movies and we're like, oh, yes, this is how I should be as a wife. And it plays. So if that was in 1984... When I was married, I didn't get married till 2012. <laughs> I still picked up this same thing that I had to be all things, do all the things. I'm working a full-time job. I'm working 12-hour shifts. I'm coming home and I'm like, babe, you want something to eat? You want me to cook you some dinner? You want this? You want that? And I'm exhausted. And I'm not, And on top of that, I'm not even asking for help because I want to be the perfect wife. And I want to do all the things so that I can be all the things to my wonderful husband who also has the ability to cook. <laughs> I wonder why I'm stressed out and tired. Yeah, well, and that's one of the things. So in my book, Fierce Authenticity, I speak about this in terms of, sure, if we ask for help, because there's times that we might try, and I'm going to put try in quotation marks, but we might try to ask for help, but then we don't allow ourselves to receive it. Correct. And so it's funny because you're over here telling me and that story cracks me up when you talk about the fact that you're over here doing all the things like 12 hours on the cardiac floor and then coming home and trying to make the dinner when your man knew how to cook, right? But you thought that you had to do it. And I don't know about you, but did you have this thing or is this a part of the superwoman syndrome that you know of that if you asked for help, you wouldn't receive it. You would not let yourself receive it. It would be like either I won't ask or... I've asked, but they didn't do it in my timeline or they're not going to do it the way I want it done. And so forget it. I'll just do it myself. Right. We ask for the help and then we (laughs) self-sabotage or we ask for it indirectly because again, what is it? Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Mm. So we feel like we've said, oh my God, I'm so tired. And we're expecting him to pick up the hint and say, oh, oh, she needs help with the dishes. (laughs) But we didn't say that. 
So we're treating this as if we're talking to one of our girlfriends because we know that she would pick up on him like, oh, you poor thing. Why are you tired? Let's have a conversation about this. And the man is like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. Thanks for the information. <laughs> right. But doesn't know what step to take. Right. And it just makes me think about something we talked about on in another conversation for your podcast, the mind reading right? Like we think they're supposed to read our minds and they're supposed to know what it is. And we just set ourselves up for failure and unrealistic expectations. Yeah, absolutely. And we, when we ask for help, we have to allow the people to help us in whatever way it is that they see fit. So if I tell you that I need the trash taken out, I can't be mad if he doesn't take the trash out in five minutes. <laughs> he takes the trash out before I go to bed or if he takes it out when I wake up, he still took out the trash. If I wanted to be more specific, then that's what I should have said. Hey, can you take out the trash now? <laughs> well, and then hopefully you don't have a husband like mine that's like, oh, when you say now, you want me to get up and jump up and do it right away? Because we've got two strong, independent people running my household. <laughs> But I hear you, you know, and I'm thinking back to myself and there was a time where I didn't ask for the help. And then there was a time where I wouldn't receive the help. And then one of the things that I started doing is I was like, you know what? And it was so uncomfortable when I would ask for help with the dishes. Like that is a prime example. I hate doing the dishes. And I already mentioned that. I hate it, hate it, hate it. And so I would ask him Oh, could you please do the dishes? It was a process for me to start. Can you please help me by doing the dishes, right? Like I've had a long day at work and I cooked this. Can you help me, right? And then I had to sit on my hands and bite my tongue while I let him show up for me in that way. Because the thing is, he does want to show up. The people in our lives want to show up for us, whether it's our partner, our friend, our children, whoever it is, right? Like they want to show up for us. We just don't let them because our strong superwoman self is like, I'll just do it. It'll be faster. I'll do it better, right? Because in the beginning, it was really funny when he started doing the dishes and then I would put them away and I would be like, ooh, this one's still dirty. And I'm like, okay, I have two options here. Actually, there's three options. I could get mad at him for, oh, this dish is still crusty, right? It still has food on it. And I can get mad at him and like, you take it out at him. I could get upset and stew on it internally, which will eventually turn into a resentment, right? Right. I could not say anything about it. Actually, there's four options. Or I could just tap into the gratitude. Like, I am so grateful he did this whole sink full of dishes. And if I have to rewash two or three of them, so be it. I'm grateful I didn't have to do the whole sink full. So that was a real big practice for me was let him and then do not, do not, do not criticize when I do let him, right? And and in a moment of fun and games, we do sometimes be like, oh, the, you got to learn how to do them dishes, right? Like we do joke with each other that way, but it's not like you suck because you have two dirty dishes still out of the entire sink full. And I think that's where a lot of us get tripped up. Yeah, absolutely. I think we get tripped up there or we hand it over and then we take it back. Yes. And I don't remember what book I was reading, but they were talking about consequences. So if you have laid out an agreement to say, okay, I've got dinner, but y'all have the dishes. The example was the woman would cook, Everyone was supposed to do the dishes. No one would do the dishes. 
So she would get mad, do the dishes and then cook. And so now everyone knows, oh, okay, well, if we don't do it, she's going to do it anyway. So <laughs> stop doing it all together. So then it was a lot, but she said, okay, I'm not doing the dishes. So she cooked. They didn't do the dishes. Everyone's looking at her when it's dinner time. And they're like, what's for dinner? She's like, I didn't have any clean dishes. I guess we're just going to have to eat cereal. <laughs> and so once you eat cereal for a few days, they're like, oh, uh-uh, no, we want something hot. These dishes. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm like, oh my God, you're describing almost every client I've ever worked with. <laughs> and it just makes me think of a concept I learned. I think it was actually in something Patrice, like one of her guests that she introduced us to where yeah, it may have been Rachel Luna who who's um who Patrice Washington had introduced us to and I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is so true. We teach people how to treat us." Mhm. And so I love that example because it's like, yeah, if you're going to just go in and do it anyway, they're going to know that you're going to do it anyway. Same thing with the laundry, same thing with anything else, right? And like they know you're going to do it. So I I love that that she was just like, "Nope, there was no dishes to cook with." I guess it's cereal. Eventually, it'll just be peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because you could put that on a napkin, right? Because the cereal bowls are going to run out, too. Right. We just got plates. That's all we got. Paper plates. What What do y'all want? Y'all want tuna? <laughs> <laughs> right. And now, Takara, this really is making me think of your signature framework for the strong woman. This beautiful framework that you refer to as dream. Now tell our listeners about this beautiful framework that you have, because I mean, what we're talking about, like almost hits every part of dream. True enough. True enough. So I actually came up with this for me. And as I was thinking back on it, because when I got a divorce, I was like, okay, there's got to be more. Actually, that's kind of what funneled my divorce. But I was like, there's got to be more to life than this. Things are not going the way that I want them to. They're not going the way that they should be going. I'm not being treated the way that I should be treated. How do I start? In comes dream. So the D means drop the cape. So we have to be more vulnerable. So like the way that we were talking about, we need to ask for help, tell people we need help, tell people we're struggling. We're so used to telling people, I'm fine. And we're not, we're lying. (laughs) I have an acronym for fine. If I can just jump in. I don't know if I've shared this one on the podcast yet. Fine, fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. (laughs) That is an acronym that I have have picked up for fine. (laughs) Yeah. And that's basically what it is. But when we tell people we're fine and that we're okay, we're not allowing people the space to show up for us. Then we wonder why we're so lonely and exhausted, but it's because we've told everyone that we're fine. Mm-hmm. So then the R is re-envision a life that you want because yes, we have been told that we need to go to school, do all these things. Yes, we're killing it in our career, but is it the career that you actually want or is it the career that somebody told you that you needed to have because that's what you needed to make the most money? That's a good one. That's a really good one. What is the cost of this? Because we have this job, but we're not excited to go to this job. We're being stressed out. Our mental health, we need several mental health days. We can barely make it without taking a day off. We're dreading going to work. What is the cost of you working this job or this dream that somebody else laid on you that you just picked up and ran with? So what's the life that you want? 
And I just want to pause there again, because at the time of this recording, this is very much a process that I have actively been in for the last several weeks, if not months, speaker, consultant, coach identity. And the thing that kept me holding on for so long is like, I paid $100,000 for this stupid NYU degree. And that's just the grad school degree. Like that doesn't even include the undergrad degree, right? It's like, I paid $100,000 for this piece of paper that I don't even have displayed anywhere. It's in a frame at least now. But anyways, like I just thought that that meant that I had to stay being a therapist. Like that was the safe thing, the thing that everyone like thinks you're supposed to do. When I knew in my heart of hearts for the longest time, I am so done with one-to-one work. I mean, at this point, I've been in my profession for 18 years and I'm just like, well, no wonder I've been ready for a switch, but it was that this is what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Whereas my dream and my desire was for years, I've had the call on my soul, the call on my heart, like to transition and do this group coaching program. And it can be quite the process as we let go of those identities and those dreams that others have placed on us, or even those societal expectations. Well, you you have your degree to be a therapist. Why aren't you a therapist? Yeah, absolutely. Because we have to start being honest with ourselves. And if we feel like we made a mistake, I mean... Why would we sit in it? Just change direction. There's so many people who've gone to medical school. It was like, what? It's not for me. But you can still use that knowledge in whatever other arena it is that you're going into. I mean, even for me, I've been in the military for almost 17 years. So three years until I retire, that's still a transition for me. Now, some people would say, oh, you're still young. Continue to stay in, continue to serve your country, continue to do this. But is that the life that I want to live? What is it that I've actually been called to do? Can I do it here or do I have to move to do it elsewhere? Yeah. So that's a question that we really have to ask ourselves when we envision this. Like we have to allow ourselves to dream and not be so logical about it. We're so logical that we'll talk ourselves out of our own dream before we can (laughs) get it out on paper. Oh, I hear that. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. All right. So E, the E of dream. Yes. E is establish boundaries. We must. And especially if for those that are like me, if you are single or have no kids for whatever reason, people assume that you have more time and you should always be available to answer the phone. You don't. My phone is on personal, it'd be on focus, it'd be on do not disturb, it's on all the things. And my mom is like, "Where, ma'am, I called you two hours ago. <laughs> yes, ma'am, I understand that. Yes. <laughs> Was this an emergency? No, I'm just trying to see where you went. Why? I'm 40 years old. Where, why are you looking for me? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But establish boundaries with people because like we've already said, we are showing others how to treat us. And so if you don't want to get people's lack, what is it? People's lack of planning is not our emergency. (laughs) It can't be. So if you want to spring this on me at the last minute and I'm simply not available, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Maybe next time you will do things in order. 
Yes, I love that. Your someone else's lack of planning is not my emergency. That's a really good one. And gosh, you just said something else. A thing that I have seen a lot with my clients over the years is like you said, when they're single, like they're responding to work emails all times a day, all times a night. There's no separation. There's no boundary, right? And then, of course, the pandemic and work from home made it so much worse. But then some of these women transition into motherhood. And now they're like, well, I have a choice to make. Am I going to show up as like a mother when I'm home? Or am I still going to be scrambling, like trying to do emails and stuff? So it's so important that we have those boundaries. And one of the things that I say often is boundaries are for us. They're for us and for us to enforce because other people, like the example with your mom, they're always going to try to be like, yo, where are you at? (laughs) Why didn't you answer the phone? And that's for you to enforce. And you do so with your phone on do not disturb. And it's not easy. It's not going to be easy. There are some people that you're going to piss off because you did not have those boundaries in place. So when you put them there, they're going to be like, but you always say yes. (laughs) Not today. Yeah, there's this (laughs) other phrase. When you stop people pleasing, people won't be pleased. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because we're so used to letting people run all over it. And not that we're consciously letting them run all over us, but we're doing it because we think we're the superwoman. I'm the strong woman. I can do it all and then some. Yeah, we're trying to be nice or we're trying to be the good older sibling, the good child, the good responsible one. Everyone already feels like we have it all together. So now we have to feel like we have to put on this face in order to keep a show going, keep our mask on to say that things are good. So then that kind of takes me into the A which is allow others to fail. Like we have this savior complex that's like, oh my God, you know you're going in the wrong direction. Let me save you. Let me save you. You've told them 15,000 times, don't do that. Don't do that. And they insist. (laughs) But every time you come and you save them, oh my God, I'm short $300. Can you help me? Yeah, sure. Oh my God, I'm short again, $300. Can you help me? I know you got it. Oh yeah, sure. Oh my God. You know, if you don't help me, I'm gonna be kicked out. Okay, well, you about to be kicked out. (laughs) because you don't have to learn how to budget your money today and you're not going to get it from me or in my case they started asking somebody else and they stopped asking me so Mm -hmm. everyone knows don't ask me for money let me give it to you but don't ask me because if you ask me I'm going to say no and I'm going to say it with the quickness or we're going to have to figure out why you don't have no money we're going to have to go through a whole budget plan money came in, what money came out, what you should have deal with the money. Do you need another job? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> you are cracking me up right now. I bet people don't ask you for money anymore. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> because if you're going to sit them down and do all of that, and this reminds me of respecting other people's dignity, because they're going to need to learn. And it also makes me think of both examples that we've used already, where whoever was in that family that wasn't washing the dishes, when they failed at doing the dishes, they didn't get dinner <laughs> the next day because there was no clean dishes, right? Or like when my husband would have those few dirty dishes and It just is what it is. Now he doesn't have as many dirty dishes. Now he's gotten better at it. So we just have to let them. And and I love what you talked about, like the savior complex, especially that us strong women (laughs) have. Yeah, exactly. Because we were tossed to and fro. (laughs) We're here, we're there, we're everywhere. And it's like, okay, if I continue to save you, who is going to save me? 
So if I keep letting you have all this money and I'm trying to save, I'm trying to create a future, I'm trying to do this. And you keep telling me that you want to borrow this money (laughs) and what you've borrowed three money, money from me three times. And I have yet to receive it back. Okay. Well, when am I going back to those boundaries? When am I going to say enough is enough and I've got to start taking care of me, which takes me to the end. Me, me time. (laughs) Make time or me time. That's something that we have to do. And especially for all the, the strong women out there, if you have a daughter, if you have children, they have got to learn early that it is okay to take time, that it's okay for you to get up early if you need to, to exercise, that it's okay for you to say, I need a minute. No, I don't want to play right now. Give me 15 minutes and I will come back to you so that children can begin to understand that it's okay to say no. And it's okay to say, I'm tired. It's okay to say, give me a moment so that they can learn this as well. Because we picked this up early. Being a strong woman is not something that I picked up in my 20s. This is something (laughs) that I picked up observing my mother from the start of time all the way through. And because I never saw her display emotions, because I never saw her do some of these things, I was like, oh, this is what a woman is supposed to do. Not knowing maybe she was trying to save face for me. Maybe she didn't want me to be concerned. Who was to say? But what I saw and interpreted as a nine, a 10, a 15, a 16, an 18 year old to me said, this is how I'm supposed to do life. And then you get older or you get into these marriages, which mirror everything that you thought that you had together that you didn't. And you're like, oh no, this is not how this works. And being a strong woman in a marriage absolutely does not work. Mm -hmm. So there is the dream. (laughs) Yeah. And it makes me think of one of the big things that, so my degree is actually in social work. I'm a master's in social work and we're just taught from a systems perspective. And to me, exactly what you said, and not only do we teach our daughters young, but we teach our sons young. We teach them all very, very young by exactly what we do. Right. And so not only are we teaching your daughter, is it or is it not okay to say yes or no, or to have a boundary and enforce it? But also, what are we teaching our boys? What are we teaching the other tiny humans in our lives? Are we teaching them that it, you know, oh, well, the women are going to do everything anyway, so I can just kick back and watch TV, right? Is that what we're teaching them? Or are we teaching them oh, it is my responsibility to be an equal member of this home and to put in my equal part in this partnership or, you know, in a family, if it's your kids, like just the whole thing is a system and it works together. So I just love that, that you are taking it all the way back to childhood and what we've seen growing up and or what we don't ever want to do, right? Because it can go into the two extremes of either we are watching and then we're being the strong one who's not showing the emotions who's going above and beyond for everyone and everything or we become the total opposite and then we're a hot mess because now we're (laughs) I don't even want to go there like that'll be a whole other tangent but all of our stories all of the ways to be in the world you know and this is why my work like it just relationship work is so important right and this is why your work is so important and Takara one more time drop the dream on us like go ahead and just 
put the D-R-E-A-M out there one more time for our listeners. So you drop the cape, re-envision the life that you want, establish boundaries, allow others to fail and make time or me time. Yeah. Gosh, I love make time for me time. That is so good. I had a train of thought, but it's gone. So you tell me what else is on your mind and heart for our conversation today. Let me go back for a minute because I love the point that you brought up about children and how we are essentially training them. And I listened to, it was a message from Andy Stanley, but he was talking about raising your children. And he was like, unfortunately, we look as at children as like, oh, they're just so little. They're just this. He was like, children are adults in training and you continue to train them as they grow. And he was like, as toddlers, you're teaching them how to handle their emotions. He was like, you know it because you have seen adults throw tantrums. (laughs) It did not happen when they were a toddler for all of these things. These are adults in training. And as they get older, you give them more responsibility. So he's like, when they become teenagers, you should be transitioning now from parent to mentor and kind of saying, okay, well, what do you do now? What do you expect to do now? So that way they can make these good decisions so that they're not going to someone else's beat, right? Mm-hmm. And then so in my framework, the part one is dream, part two is core. So I say, okay, now that you've worked on yourself, it's always important to work on your core. So of course I'm a nurse. I had to throw something in there. <laughs> so of course, you know, core is center. Or if you think of exercise and if you don't have a strong core, you don't have anything. And so with your core, that is your community, your organization, your romantic relationships, and your experiences. Because too often when we as strong women are so focused on work, we don't have the relationships that we want. We don't have the friendships that we want. We don't have the networks that we want. We're not organized because we don't have any boundaries. We don't let people run all over us. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) We're so busy at work. Don't nobody see us. So guess what? We're not in a romantic relationship. (laughs) And then for E, sometimes we are just so busy being responsible that we delay gratification. We delay going on trips. We delay going on all of these places. And it's like, no, live life today, still be responsible, but have those experiences because you never know when your last day is going to be. But if you can experience people, if you can enjoy life and be present and be in the moment and enjoy it for what you are, the amount of people that you can then start to attract to you, the opportunities, because maybe you don't like your job, but smiling, (laughs) being free, being authentic, being playful, being feminine, all of those things, once you have started to take care of me, that brings a totally different energy that will pull other people to you. And I think you talk about this, right? The nervous system, all of that. I do. And I just want to pause here for experiences and I don't know if the women that you work with or even from your own story that this was a thing, but not only do we deny ourselves the experiences because we're so busy doing all the things, but then there is a sense of resentment of when is it going to be my turn to go get to do all of those things, right? But hello, you're the one doing all the things. And so this is a a you thing, right? Which is where the first part of the framework comes in. Dream. Yeah, exactly. And of course, for me, I had to go through my own life transition to do it. But I was like, girl, you're not even living life out here. You too busy out here trying to be responsible and do all the things. Okay. But I mean, do you even like what you're doing? If you were to die tomorrow, 
Would you be proud of the life that you lived? Or would you say, man, I wish I had done more of this. I wish I had done more of that. Are you using every gift? Are you taking advantage of every day that's given to you? And if you're not, then now you know, okay, there are some things that I need to change and let me move my life around in such a way that it is actually conducive to me, that I actually enjoy and look forward to waking up in the morning. Don't nobody want to be grumpy every day. Now your kid's mad in the morning because you mad and then don't nobody... Now, ain't nobody a morning person. Why? Because somebody had an attitude every morning. That's why they're not a morning person. <laughs> that is hilarious. And I just feel like, whoo, you just dropped something on us. And I want to go back to the very first thing you said. I caught most of it, but it just feels so important to go back there. If I were to die tomorrow, would you finish the rest of that question for me, please? Because I need to write this down. This was good. Just that. Would I? Would you what? Would I be satisfied with the life that I lived? You know, they always talk about the dash. Like, what is the life that you lived in the dash? What did you do? Did you have impact? Did you have relationship or were you too busy going to work and nobody even knew what you did? And what is the dash? That's like a new phrase. I haven't heard this one before. Oh, really? Okay. So, you know, like on your tombstone or on your obituary. So like for me, for instance, born in 1983, 1983, dash, whatever day I died. What's your dash? Oh, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I think I don't know that because my people get cremated. Uh, (laughs) So that's probably why I don't know (laughs) this phrase of dash. Wow. And I love that just the imagery, right? From the born day to the death day, what happened in between there? And would you be satisfied with the life you lived? And not just that, a lot of us think also about legacy, not just the life you live, but the legacy that you are leaving Mm -hmm. and the legacy you're leaving behind for those who come after you. And, you know, I'm just going to go on my little tangent right here, but it ties to what we started our conversation with. You know, when we live such stressed out lives, when we are constantly doing for others, this wraps into everything we've talked about. We just set the stage for the generations after us to do the same old thing over and over again. And what does that do? That continues to perpetuate the stress. It continues to perpetuate the internalized depression. It continues to perpetuate a lack of relationality and relational skills and emotion regulation skills and a lack of knowledge on how to adult, right? And when one person can stop take a look at themselves and start to do that differently, they change the entire legacy for their whole family from there on out, right? Because now, and this is where that nervous system stuff comes in and the health stuff, right? Because now we are retraining ourselves. And when we are retrained, we pass that down to our children. And, you know, the science of epigenetics tells us that our DNA literally changes based on what our experiences have been, especially the stressful or traumatic ones, right? So you literally have the power to change the DNA for generations. So that is why I think that what you do, what we do is so important. That's and, and what the people who work with us do is so important. And even people just listening into this podcast, like, cause even here we're dropping seeds of knowledge and wisdom that they will now go think. I mean, dear listener, I hope that you take these messages and go think deeper about this, but it's just so important that this is beyond us. This is beyond us. 
It is. I used to start off my speeches saying the strong woman is played out, but then it's like, if you say that people are tuned out because they're like, well, what is she talking about? And so you have to present it in a different way, but it truly is like, it's not worth the cause and the trauma that it is for us to hold on to this title. We're more than strong. We can be resilient. We can be soft. We can be feminine. We can be fun. We can be playful. We can be all of these things, but strong, that's the one thing that you decide to hold on to. Why? (laughs) Oh, I love that. We can be strong or we can be soft. We can be resilient. We can be just all those other beautiful things that you named. And you know what? It's all of that that makes us strong. Not this toxic image, this supremacy and oppression culture-based image of what strong is, you know, in terms of how much can I endure, like, look at me doing it all, right? But really, it's that in our softness, in our femininess and femininity in all of that, like in our ability to connect with others, like that is where our strength resides. Absolutely. Don't give me props because I took a lot of mess. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. And Takara, is there anything else that's on your heart to share with our listeners today before we let them know how to find you and your amazing work? So anything else that you've got for us? I have loved this conversation. So I'm going to just leave you like I leave my listeners. And that is, there is no one like you. There is no one out here that can do the things that you do. So show up, let your light shine bright and never dim it for anyone. What a beautiful conclusion. And your podcast is a letter to my sister. Is that what your podcast is called? Yes. Oh, so beautiful. And I just feel the softness there and Let's pause into that for a moment. Hmm. Yes, and I likewise have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And Takara, tell us where our listeners can find you, where they can get in touch with you. Where do you hang out and play? Oh, I love to play on Instagram. That is my playground. So if you want to find me, that is where I am by far the most active. I am also on Facebook as well. So you can find me on Instagram and on Facebook at Takara Renee. It's just on Instagram. It's Takara underscore Renee. Sharani, she'll spell my name. She'll give it to y'all in the show Mm -hmm. notes. It's in the show notes. Yep. She'll give it to you all there. And you can also check out my link tree and that's where you can find the link to all the things that I have going on, my coaching program, the freebie that I have. So if you have loved this method and this breakdown, I actually have like a little journal that'll give you some exercises, some things for you to think through so that maybe you're not ready for coaching, but I guarantee you this will open your eyes so that you'll know the next actionable steps that you can take to live the life and get closer to what you want to do. Girl, I'm going to go download that journal right now because that sounds really good. Gosh, again, thank you so much. And I know that this conversation was such a gift and a blessing to our listeners. Um, so thank you for sharing this time and space with us and take really good care. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I want to take a moment to honor and acknowledge the amazing support team that helps make this podcast possible for you. Starting with Diego Velazquez, our podcast editor and the talented artist who created our custom music. Ana Olvina, my wonderful assistant who creates all of our beautiful graphics and the transcript of every episode, which you can find over at www.fierceauthenticity.com. 
Biana Sandic, who writes our amazing show notes and does it so well that I bet you couldn't tell it wasn't me. The talented Jillian at Epoxy Studios, whose photography is our cover art and pretty much every other curated image that you see of me on social media. My husband, who puts up with me when it's 11.30 p.m. on a Sunday night and I'm like, hey babe, I gotta record a podcast episode. Like, right now. Is that okay? My higher power, whose divine wisdom flows through me to bring these messages to you. And last but not least, I want to thank you, my listener, so much for listening in. If you'd like to join the podcast support team, some ways you can do so are by rating and reviewing the podcast, sharing it with everyone you know, and, if possible, making a financial contribution through the link in the show notes so that you, too, can be part of the team elevating this podcast and making it possible to bring to other listeners like you. I'm sending you so much love, and we will be together again soon.